Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. I have been overwhelmed by these preachers, some of the finest preaching that you'll ever hear in your life has been this last week. Tremendous revelation, insight, and blessing. So I appreciate everyone that's here tonight, and I appreciate the privilege of preaching the last sermon in this tent. Praise God. In November, we uh, went on the tour to Israel, and I had with me a magazine that's called Israel My Glory. I've been captivated by an article that was in there, and so I took it with me because I wanted to uh, begin to look at the possibility of something to preach. And the first day, the maid stole it out of my room. I said, well, maybe they'll get saved. So I didn't make a racket over that. But here's the article that gripped my uh, heart. I want to read a part of it. It's called The Bucket List. It says, if today were your last day on earth, would you be satisfied with your life? Many people who have unclear answers to such a question create bucket lists. Making a bucket list has become a popular exercise to help define what constitutes a a satisfactory life. A bucket list is a collection of things to do or experience uh, before dying that in some way is supposed to make life more satisfying or meaningful. The concept comes from uh, the phrase to kick the bucket, which in vernacular is a synonym for dying. The phrase's etymology is difficult to pinpoint But modern culture has embraced the idea of creating and then expending the energy and resources to complete a personal bucket list. I want to preach to you tonight on uh, Believer's Bucket List. Luke 2, verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now think about this for a moment because followers of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, biblically are those who attempt to become Christian in their character and in their life. And four thoughts I want to bring to you from this text, if I could, on the believer's bucket list. Number one is the increase in wisdom. Think about that for a moment uh, because... We're talking about self-education by reading. This is the challenge of discipleship. We are in a discipleship-making movement, and we constantly 
are trying to impart some key or some revelation uh, that will aid you to become like Jesus Christ. Uh, when we went into Australia in 1981, one of the things we discovered is that Australians don't read books. So we immediately began to uh, uh, practice in discipleship, teaching them to read books, uh, and we put up uh, lists that we were working from uh, quite frequently. I have people ask me, wherever I preach, what are you reading now? Because they want to know what I'm reading, uh, because they want to read that, because uh, one of the keys uh, to development is to enlarge your worldview. We have uh, reading lists of our fellowship that constantly we have. Uh, I remember what, uh, in the early days, we uh, had one book that was very popular, Breaking the Stained Glass Barrier, and we thought that was an excellent book because the principle is to get our believers out of the four walls, uh, witnessing and evangelizing, uh, and this is one of the brain main books. Another book that we had uh, was a book entitled uh, uh, by Robert Coleman. Uh, is uh, slipped my mind. Uh, Master Plan of Evangelism. That's, both of those books were key books in our early days. Uh, and uh, I want to encourage you, John, uh, in uh, Globe, Arizona, John has written a book, Regions Beyond, tremendous book on discipleship. Uh, and that book is uh, impacting the world from a small town, from a small church. Uh, and it's one of the key uh, books that we sell in the book room. And we did this because we wanted to shape our worldview and the worldview of those uh, that are around. We just did a leadership in uh, uh, Phoenix, which we do before the January con uh, conference. Uh, and Mark Olson presented a, sem a seminar, tremendous seminar on financial balance. How many of you know that we're becoming a fellowship of older people? You don't have to say amen, but it's happening anyway. <laughs> I'm looking at people I remember when you were young. But now bald has become beautiful. Your chest has fallen into your drawers. And you no longer are young. So in his teaching, he began to teach about beginning to prepare for older age. Because one of the saddest things is people who get older in our fellowship, they've not thought anything about the future. In the Bible, God put some interesting thoughts. One of these uh, is about ants and squirrels. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 8, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provides her food in the summer, and gathers her food in the harvest. Now that's a world of wisdom for those of you that her chest has fallen into your drawer and you're bald-headed. The years are rolling by, and you better start thinking about getting old. 
We have a wonderful plan in America called Social Security. That was created in the early days, in the 1930s, because they wanted to have older folks in their senior years to not be left destitute, and so they created Social Security. We had some smart alecks a few years ago that said, oh, Social Security is going to go bankrupt. Uh, don't put any money in that anymore. You need to cop out. Uh, and we had some people that copped out because you can, if you're a pastor, you can cop out of Social Security, not pay it anymore, and uh, you not have it. Shortly after that, I talked to some men who had begun to cop out, and they asked me, and I said, no, I investigated Social Security isn't a savings fund for your retirement, it's insurance. And the average person will have a half a million dollars when they reach 65 if they pay. And I said, that's a good deal, I like that. So I didn't cop out, I stayed in. I got on Social Security, I could live on my Social Security now. Some of you don't believe that, you have been in favor of abortion and you're killing off who's going to support you when you get my age. So let's think about that for a moment. In this seminar that uh, Pastor Olson did, he gave some interesting tips. Uh, and I suggest you get those tapes uh, and listen to the leadership in Phoenix uh, because it will help you prepare uh, for the future. Think about that for a moment uh, because what we're talking about uh, is shaping your understanding of life itself. Now, I know that some of you are sitting out there, you're so spiritual that you think that I've lost my mind. But in 89 years, I've picked up a couple of hints. They're up here. And you need to listen to what I have to say because we're talking about shaping your view of the world. I talked about squirrels. I built a house in 2001. The squirrels that lived on that property in the original, they discovered that it has wonderful places to hide acorns and pinion nuts. I kept hearing this uh, rattling in the, uh, uh, in the uh, drain pipe, and I said, there's something living up there on that roof there. I got up and looked, and I discovered there was a squirrel. He had a tremendous location there. He had, he had plugged up with the stone that I have uh, uh, decorated my yard with, and he had nuts, pinion nuts, acorn nuts, because on the property I grow acorns uh, and pinion nuts, uh, and he was a wise uh, little creature of God, and he was storing it up there for the future. <laughs> That's why God says in the Bible, go to the ant, you bald-headed slugger. and see what God has put in the brains of his creation, and you do that the same. I hear ads on the radio for retirement. One of these says, don't run out of money before you run out of life. And they give their pitch for their, uh, their thing. That's number one. Number two, there's some uh, interesting information in that Luke 2.52 about physical balance. Physical balance means that you realize uh, 
that there are certain laws of nature, diet, exercise, uh, eating, uh, rest, and sleep, uh, that if you ignore, you're going to die when you're young. So let's ponder about that because here's a weight challenge. How many of you know what weight fit challenge is? This is a nice word that means you better watch out because the fat's going to get you. <laughs> you ever been on an airplane and you see somebody coming down the aisle? <laughs> they, they have to wobble when they work and you say, oh God. <laughs> Don't put them next to me. <laughs> I was flying from, uh, from um, L.A. to Phoenix some years ago, and I, this kid, he's about 21, 22 years old. He weighs at least 350 pounds, maybe 400. Sure enough, he's got the aisle seat. I'm in the middle seat. He's got it next to me. He sets down. How many of you know that these aircraft are made for certain size people? Every 10 seconds, the arm would pop up because that seat couldn't hold him. He's too big for that. He'd push it back down, pop up, set, pop up. I'm leaning over this way to keep away. <laughs> so if you're weight fat challenge, I mean, if you're fat, it would be good if you learned a lesson. Golden Corral is a wonderful place to eat. When you go to the Golden Corral, a meal is not the aim. The aim is get your money's worth. And the place is filled with people that are doing exactly that. And let's work into this little thought about fasting. Grown. Three days of fasting, your immune system recalibrates itself for you to be able to live as long as I live. Think about that for a moment. Three days of fasting. Your body has been created by God to recalibrate, to resist disease so that you can live the life uh, that you're allotted by God uh, to live. Proverbs uh, chapter 23, uh, tw uh, 28 rather, 21. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and, uh, shall, uh, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Now think about that. Say, I'm not a drunkard, but you see God puts you in the same place if you're a sluggard. What's a sluggard? A sluggard is a man who... That's not good for you. you know, I've talked to people who said, well, this is, this is my hormones. My hormones cause me to eat and I get fat. No, it's not the hormones. It's a forklift. What we're really talking about is a lack of self-discipline. You can cut it any way you want to cut it, but I want to tell you, 
If you are overweight, you have no self-discipline. You'll have real difficulty preaching to people about disciplining themselves in life because there are other dimensions that are being manifest out of your life besides you look like a balloon blown up. The stitches in your suit are going, Go ahead and look mean at me. I've faced tougher crowds than you. There's a prophecy in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 34. It says, Take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unaware. Now, Jesus talked about prophecy. He's talking what's going to come to pass on the earth, and he's saying to the disciples and to us, you need to be aware of what's happening on the earth. But he says the issue that you need to understand is that if you're a drunkard, you're not going to be sensitive enough to know when that's going to happen. But he also says surfeiting. Say, well, I don't know what that word means. Well. Uh, finest Dake put in his Bible, if you want to look at it, look that verse up. And what it says is surfeiting, which includes simply excess uh, eating. You mad yet? So we're moving towards uh, days on planet Earth that we need to be alert uh, to what's happening. Uh, and Jesus' example, he spoke about gluttony, he spoke about fasting, and he's speaking about balance in life. And so when it says in the scripture that Jesus increased in wisdom and in knowledge and physically, this means that Jesus wasn't a glutton. Let's move on. We've lost some good men. Just in the last four or five years, a, some good godly people have went to in, into eternity. Two preachers in their early 60s went into eternity. They didn't plan to that, but they did. Can you say amen? So think about this for a moment because your lifestyle adds to the ability that God gives you to live a long and fruitful life, but your lifestyle is going to cut into that. Number three, Jesus increased with favor with men. When we send workers out to preach, I never worry about them learning to preach. Necessity will teach them to learn to preach. But... One of the things that I worry about, Greg works with constantly, uh, is people skills. People skills mean that you're able to deal with people in their problems, uh, as you deal with them in their problems, you've developed the art uh, of connecting with them uh, and beginning to bring them to spiritual health. We're talking about people skills. I do a seminar once in a while in the conference, we announced it. It's called uh, Butchers and Surgeons. We have both that are present here this evening. 
A butcher is someone that cuts meat. A surgeon is someone that cuts meat. They both are in the same occupation. The surgeon removes tumors that the person can live. The butcher just cuts it up and puts it in a display case. So let's ponder that for a moment because pastoring demands a skill to be able to deal with people and remove the spiritual tumors that are ruining their lives so that they can be productive. Selfishness causes conflict. To be a successful pastor means that you must have people skills and if you don't have any people skills, you'll never be able to build a church. When I was pastoring in Australia, I was uh, counseling this couple. And as I was pastoring this couple, I kept trying to bring them to grips because what you do in pastoring marriage is you want to bring some kind of revolution, resolution to them. And as I'm, as I'm uh, counseling them, uh, she would say, he wants sex every night. He would say, we never have sex. It went like that for one hour. At the end of one hour, I said, you know what, folks? I don't have the slightest clue what your problem is. There's the door. Don't come back in here again until you're ready to solve your problem. Now, you say that's cruel? Well, it might have been. <laughs> but it was true. Can you say amen? This is why in discipleship... We make disciples in the arena of ministry uh, and we're attempting to develop uh, people skills uh, with our workers. Number four, Jesus increased, the Bible says, in favor with God. Now this comes the hard part. Favor with God. What's that talking about? Well, what it's talking about is uh, this is the essence of Christianity uh, it means that God has a will. How many of you say God has a will? Say the will of God. If every person in this tent had done the will of God, conference would be paid for, no problem. We'd have so many workers that we don't have a stage victory enough to have them. But both are not accomplished as we stand here tonight. The will of God. Think about that. The will of God. Paul's on the Damascus Road. When we do the Israel tour, we go to Caesarea Philippi. The Damascus Road runs right up the canyon, uh, past uh, the peak there, on into Damascus. Uh, on that road, the Apostle Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He's knocked off of his beast. He falls down, and a voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? that I'm persecuting said, I'm Jesus uh, whom you're persecuting. And as he said that, the Apostle Paul said, this is what a Christian is. Lord, what do you want me to do? Are you catching the point? I wonder how many of you have ever said, as you knelt down before God, Lord, what do you want me to do? So in favor with God, you're not going to have favor with God unless you do the will of God. Think about this for a moment because most of Christianity are people that are serving God in their own will. They won't go to a place that uh, the weather is uh, extreme. 
They won't go to a place unless all the dimensions fit together with what they want. When I was pastoring in the denominational world, I actually knew pastors that offered pastorates, uh, but the parsonage uh, would not fit their furniture. They refused it. Sometimes many opportunities uh, are refused because it doesn't fit in with their will. And so here's the question. Are you willing to do the will of God because you cannot have favor with God unless you do the will of God? Some of you God dealt with this week, I have no doubt. As he dealt with you this week about changes in your ministry, changes in your lifestyle, what preaching we've heard this week. Can you say amen? I just brought the bad stuff here tonight. I saved it up for tonight so we get at the end. We heard fantastic preaching. I heard Mark Olson preach one of the finest sermons uh, on discipleship I've ever heard. Can you say amen? amen? I heard Paul Stevens this morning preach a tremendous uh, sermon. I heard Greg Mitchell on Wednesday night. He's already got a call from somebody who watched it on, on live stream that called him to apologize and repent from another nation. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? I'm a little nervous about live stream, but if we're going to get results like that, let's have more of it. <laughs> Think about that. Mark Olson, as he was talking, he called me and asked me uh, uh, if what he thought he was going to preach was true. He said, I think I heard that when you were in Australia, that you would have stayed in Australia. I've been in Australia three different times pastoring uh, in uh, the uh, Beachboro Church, uh, that I made this statement that if I had my will, I would have stayed in Australia. I always wanted to be a missionary from the earliest days. One ministry that we took, my wife and I went to uh, Courtney, uh, Vancouver Island, British Columbia. I always wanted to be a missionary. It was a church that had been destroyed we went there and took that uh, church, and uh, that was a part of that. But I always wanted to be a missionary. And in Australia, the possibility was there. They speak English, kind of. <laughs> they all got a stash. When you're taking conference offerings, if you can trigger that, you jar it loose where you can plant a church anywhere in the world. That was really appealing to me. They had people that settled in Australia from all over the world. I had evangelists preaching in there. One conference, or one revival. He said, I want everyone that has a passport in this building tonight, down in the Scarborough Beach building, I want you to stand to your feet that you can go back to that nation tonight and with no permission of anybody, you can go back, start a church. I want you to stand to your feet. You've got a passport right now. 26 nations in that congregation we're running probably 250 people. 26 nations. My heart left within me. This is where I always wanted to be. But the problem is it wasn't the will of God. 
I'm not trying to leave Prescott. I'm not leaving tonight. Just relax. <laughs> but this is a dream of a lifetime for someone who has a burden and a vision and has the authority and the ability to bring that to pass. But it was not the will of God. The will of God is what Christianity is all about. Some years ago, uh, I uh, had two brothers, and uh, they, uh, they said to me, there's a lady in Oklahoma, and uh, she's a, the gift of prophecy. And if you're having any problem at any date, you call her up, she'll know exactly what you're calling about, and she will give you direction. I said, well, that sounds interesting to me, because I was pondering at that period of time, Resigning, Prescott, we probably were running maybe 300 people, and I was feeling very inadequate. And in my mind, I thought, I need to notify the organization, I need to send, send somebody in here that knows what to do with this, because I don't feel adequate uh, to be able to carry this to its uh, conclusion. And so I called this lady. Sure enough, she knew what I was calling about. I was pondering going to Nogales and starting a church down on the border because that's where you can reach below in these other nations. And so when I called, when she answered, she said, yes. Yes, she said, you're making a decision. You go ahead and make that decision because God's going to be with you and he's going to help you. While she's talking to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, that's not me. Had I made that decision, you wouldn't be here today. God spoke to me as I was talking to that, and I turned that prophecy down, turned and repented of calling her to begin with, never even was tempted to ever call her again, because the will of God is the aim of God. Can you say amen? God's will, God has a will, and our task is to discover that will, and he will tell you that will himself. God's a reality. Can you say amen? God is a reality. He does give answers to prayer. And so we need to pay attention to that because this is what Christianity is all about. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.